welcome to Lakeshore Update. I'm Dee Dodson. On this edition of the podcast, you'll hear the latest on the Valparaiso Police Department hiring the department's first police social worker to assist with calls involving mental health and substance abuse. Rebecca Thiel reports Indiana is considering lowering its threshold for when public health agencies address elevated blood levels in children. And Chris Nolte has a conversation with David Reynolds II about his candidacy in next year's Democratic Party primary election for Porter County Sheriff. All of that and more on this edition of Lakeshore Update. The remains of a girl under the age of five were recovered from a retention pond near I-80-94 Thursday evening. The Times reports construction workers called 911 after seeing a body floating in the water at the Kennedy Avenue interchange just after noon. She was later identified as one-year-old Jacqueline Angel Dobbs from Deerfield, Illinois. Indiana State Police Sergeant Glenn Feifold says the child was a black female. Investigators in Wheeling, Illinois, say she is the daughter of 21-year-old Janiah Murphy, who was found strangled to death Tuesday night in her apartment. Officers are working with Illinois agencies on the investigation. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. The Valparaiso Police Department will now have more help for situations involving mental health and substance dependencies. Samantha Burgett was hired as the department's first police social worker. In an announcement Monday, Police Chief Jeff Ballon said Burgett will not carry a gun, wear a uniform, or replace officers responding to emergencies. In addition to assisting the police, Burgett will coordinate with organizations providing services to the homeless, youth, the elderly, and victims of domestic issues. She'll also look for grants and training opportunities. The police department says the social worker position has been fully funded by HealthLink. It grew out of a partnership with the Valparaiso University Social Work Department that began in late 2017. The program is part of Balance Larger Wellness Initiative. It also includes adding an internal mental health consultant, bringing back the chaplain program, and implementing a mandatory physical fitness standard. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. The Lake County Judicial Nominating Commission is now accepting online applications for the vacancy on the Lake Superior Court bench caused by the death of Judge Diane Boswell. Applications can be posted at courts.in.gov until 12 p.m. local time, December 6th. The application asks detailed questions about the applicant's background, education, legal experience, and community involvement, among others. Writing samples, college transcripts, and letters of recommendation are also required. After applications close on the 6th, 
The seven-member commission will review each applicant's submission, interview the candidates in Crown Point, and ultimately recommend to the governor, quote, the five most highly qualified candidates from among all those eligible, end quote. The successful applicant will then serve two years. Then, Lake County voters will get to decide whether to retain the judge on the bench for a renewable six-year term. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. Methodist Hospitals is one of the Northwest Indiana healthcare facilities now offering the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine for children ages 5 to 11 at its North Lake and South Lake campuses. At the North Lake campus, it's at the Corporate Service Building, first floor at 550 Grant Street in Gary, Monday through Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. The vaccine is available for youth in the South Lake Campus Vaccine Clinic in Pavilion B Conference Room at 200 East 89th Avenue in Miraville, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Walk-ins are accepted, but appointments are preferred. Appointments can be made online at ourshot.in.gov. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. Lake County Sheriff's deputies and jail staff will get a second $500 COVID-19 bonus. The Times says the county council unanimously approved the incentive payments Tuesday. The total cost comes to more than $190,000. That's money the Sheriff's Department already had in its budget but did not spend since a number of positions were vacant. Most Sheriff's Department employees also got a $500 COVID-19 bonus last year, according to the Times, and this year's payment does not depend on them getting the COVID-19 vaccine. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. Indiana is considering lowering its threshold for when public health agencies address elevated blood levels in children. Based on a nearly decade-old recommendation from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Indiana Public Broadcasting's Rebecca Thiel reports the agency recently changed their threshold again, and it's unclear if the state will follow suit. Lowering the blood lead threshold would mean a lot more kids exposed to lead could get access to services, like home lead assessments, nutrition advice, or even specialized therapy. Late last month, the CDC lowered its threshold again, putting Indiana's current standards even further behind. Gary Holland is the education chair for the Indianapolis NAACP, he says matching the CDC's guidelines will save the state money in the long run. Helping and assisting these children now versus when their conditions are at a point where the state has to spend more money in special ed or in mental health services. Holland says by the time kids exposed to lead reach high school, that damage can be hard to undo. For Indiana Public Broadcasting, I'm Rebecca Thiel. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with D. Dotson.
public health experts recommend anyone living in a home built before 1978 get their kids and their homes tested for lead. Private drinking water wells should also be tested. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. U.S. Senator Todd Young, a Republican, says he has no regrets about voting against the once-in-a-generation federal infrastructure bill, but he told groups in Laporte and Valparaiso that he's proud of the work he did in the Senate to shape the infrastructure legislation, particularly the broadband component. Young voted no because he believes it opened the door for congressional Democrats to consider enacting an even larger human infrastructure spending measure that Young opposes even more. That bill could get through the House, but it faces an uncertain future in the Senate. Senator Young said even though he voted against the bill, he is committed to helping communities in northwest Indiana and across the state get all of the money to which they are entitled once it becomes law. Laporte Mayor Tom Dermody, a fellow Republican, says he does not care if Young voted no just as long as he gets the funds sent to his city. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. The former top Republican in the Indiana legislature has registered as a paid statehouse lobbyist a little more than one year after he left elected office. Former House Speaker Brian Bosma is working with 1816 Public Affairs Group, a lobbying firm headed by Michael O'Brien, who was Republican Governor Eric Holcomb's 2016 campaign manager. Bosma told the Indianapolis Business Journal that he joined the firm last year as a consultant and carefully followed the state's one-year ban before a former lawmaker can legally deal directly with old colleagues on legislative business. Bosma said his primary focus remains on his responsibilities as a partner at the Indianapolis law firm of Kroger, Gardas and Regis and that he will not be at the State House on a regular basis. Bosma stepped down as House Speaker in March 2020 and then resigned his House seat that July, ending his 34 years as a lawmaker. He was the longest-serving House Speaker in state history. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. Indiana U.S. Senator Mike Braun faces allegations that he violated federal election laws by accepting millions of dollars in improper loans during his 2018 Senate campaign. The Braun campaign disputed those allegations in a Federal Election Commission hearing this week. The FEC investigation alleges that Braun took $7 million in loans from banks during his campaign without proof of collateral required by federal campaign finance regulations. Agency auditors also say Braun illegally took a $1.5 million loan from his own company. Chris Gober, an attorney for Braun, says the campaign has provided evidence that the bank loans were above board. Signed letters from the banks explaining why the loans were commercially reasonable, 
um, based off the senator's longstanding client relationship, credit worthiness, and other factors. As for the loan from Bronze Company, Gober says that was a stock sale, and he acknowledges it would have been better if Braun had taken the money into his personal accounts and then loaned it to his own campaign. We nonetheless trust that the information we provided to the commission should sufficiently put to rest the audit division's erroneous position that these were not Senator Braun's personal funds. FEC auditors and counsel maintain that the documents provided by the Braun campaign still do not meet necessary requirements. You're listening to Lakeshore Update with Dee Dotson. Here is regionally speaking host Chris Nolte with a conversation with David Reynolds II. Porter County Sheriff David Reynolds uh, is going to finish up his second consecutive term of office at the end of next year. And according to state statute, uh, he cannot serve more than two consecutive terms. So there is somebody who is waiting in the wings, quite literally, that is very interested in running for sheriff in Porter County. It's Sheriff Reynolds' son, David II, and he is with us to talk about his decision to run as a candidate for county sheriff next year. Uh, David, thank you for joining us on Lakeshore Public Radio today. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Well, it's not often that you get a chance to talk to not only the son of a Porter County sheriff, but someone who is interested in in taking over the job. Not that you're not qualified. You have almost 20 years of experience in law enforcement. Uh, That and tell us more about yourself and and why you're interested in running for sheriff. Well, I'm I'm interested for for a few reasons. But, you Mm -hmm. know, my my experience started um, in college in law enforcement. I had um, the pleasure to attend Indiana University in Bloomington, and they have a unique program there where, as a student, you can um, work as a police officer. So I actually went to the police academy when I was 20 years old um, and then finished up my my degree at IU and worked there um, as a police officer before being hired by the sheriff's department. So I worked there for about five years, and then um, while I was at the sheriff's office, I applied um, for a position as a special agent with the Drug Enforcement Administration, where... I worked for approximately 15 years before um, deciding to do this. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand you worked in the in the Chicago office of the DEA, right? I did. You know, so when you go to when you go to DEA, um, you get hired, and they don't tell you which city you are reporting to after oh. graduation. So, mm-hmm. um, I was lucky enough to be honest with you. I was single at the time, didn't have a family, and I, I didn't even put in for Chicago. I, I thought it was an opportunity to uh, to go elsewhere, but I was. Um, they selected me to go to Chicago, and that's and that's where I reported after graduating. And it was great. It was a it was a wonderful experience. I had um, worked with some really really great teams and some great um, supervisors, and just a lot of mentors that just were um, just really great in in explaining you know really how not only drug trafficking works in Chicago, but you know the international piece and, and the gang piece locally as well. Now, when you're involved in something uh, such as uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration and you get to learn literally on the job and as well as your experience from college as well in, in such matters of law enforcement, what did you pick up in particular by working with the DEA that, that you know that is going to definitely help you out here working in Porter County if you're elected? Well, I think more than anything, Chris, I think it's the, it's, it's the access to illegal drugs. You know, I think, you know, even when I worked at the Sheriff's Department, there were, you know, there were times we had narcotics cases and I worked with a local drug unit here for a period and was actually um, 
assigned to the Drug Enforcement Administration in Maryville for a few years. So I had an idea, but Chicago just gives a different scope of how massive these you know criminal organizations are and the reach that they have and how sophisticated they are. So I was fortunate enough to um, work some very long-term sophisticated cases that you know use wiretaps and other um, strategies that I think you know we can use here in Porter County and different connections that I made while working those types of cases and you know the importance of working with other agencies I think is a, is something that you know I think is done here to to some degree but I think we can expand that and that that really was something I learned more than anything is you know this this isn't a thing about stats or who gets credit it's more of you know how can we collaboratively you know work these investigations to make sure that we're doing it effectively and efficiently and I think that's that's something that I, that I learned that the DEA does you know, really as well as anybody in, in, in law enforcement. I mean, they, they are really um, known for their ability, uh, you know, to work with different agencies, working with agencies, you know, different offices within DEAs, for example. You might have a case that takes you to Indianapolis or it might take you to Los Angeles or it might take you to Columbia or Europe. So, you know, that's that. it's that kind of thinking, I think, that will, that will help, um, you know, bring some of those philosophies here to the sheriff's office. Was it the problem that uh, still exists in Porter County with uh, drug overdoses and illegal use of drugs that uh, that you experienced uh, during the time that you were working as as a deputy with the sheriff's department that uh, that got you further interested in getting involved in the DEA? It did, Chris, and you know I think you know as as, as we can see the trends with you know uh, heroin overdoses and now that fentanyl is becoming readily available and you know it's obviously impacted the number of overdoses we see in Porter County specifically. You know, that is a problem. And, you know, I'm a parent and I have nieces and nephews that live in this county and neighbors. And, you know, I'm I'm a lifelong resident of Porter County. And, it you know, it scares me. You know, it scares me that that heroin is and fentanyl is becoming more and more of a problem. And we need somebody, I think, with my background and my experience and knowledge to how to, you know, develop different strategies or, you know, different um, different options, how to reduce the demand for for heroin. Um and, you know, is that through prevention, treatment and things like that? But, you know, there's a law enforcement side of it. And I think that we always have to have that element where people don't want to sell drugs in Porter County because they think they're going to be charged with crimes. And that's that's something I think I can bring. I understand, too, that you had an, an opportunity, along with working with the uh, Porter County Sheriff's Department, I guess before you actually got into uh, working with the DEA, to actually uh, work for the Valparaiso Police, which, of course, is where your family live right now. Uh, did, uh, did that uh, show some interest and kind of help uh, bring you along in your education in law enforcement? So I never worked for, for the Valpo City. I worked for the, the Sheriff's Department, and then I, I was hired right from the Sheriff's um, Office right to the DEA. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've never, I never worked with the, with the city. I do live in Valpo. Um, but no, I, I only worked at the sheriff's office locally. Okay. Now that you have shown your interest and, and you've, uh, become uh, at least a candidate, uh, in the, uh, the democratic primary election coming up next uh, spring for the, uh, the job of a uh, Porter County Sheriff. And you mentioned that about your experience working with the DEA and the experience uh, that you had working with the sheriff's department in, in some capacity in the past. What were some of the things uh, aside from uh, your familiarity, certainly with law enforcement, and that goes also to uh, to your dad, uh, who has uh, been, of course, a longtime uh, law enforcement uh, officer uh, before he ran for sheriff and, and is finishing up his uh, his second term. What is it in particular that that you like in 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 turn being able to, to turn all that into experience working with the community? Well, you know, um, even though I left the sheriff's office, I've always had um, a close connection with 
with the department what was happening there. Um, there were several times where we would pass information, even with with, uh, with my job at DEA, to the sheriff's office. So I've always had, you know, even though I left and I technically don't work there, I've always had a connection with the sheriff's office. You know, some of my closest friends um, in life, you know, just happened to, to, to work at the, the sheriff's office. So, you know, I have that. I think it's a sense of, you know, being familiar with, with the department and the agency, but it's just, it's, it's the part of the community that, 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 um, that they're a part of, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, the sheriff's office has wonderful people and dedicated members of law enforcement that, you know, coach their kids in, in different sports. They're, you know, involved in, you know, different aspects of their community. I mean, they're really, really great people. And I think, you know, in, in, in the, in the, the last several years, law enforcement has been painted in a, in a certain light and, you know, understandably so in some, some situations, but you know, the reality of it is the sheriff's office has great people that work there from the support staff to, you know, the, the rookie policemen. So, you know, that's, that's, that's something that I've always um, been proud of being a member of. Um, and, you know, I'm excited with the, with the idea of uh, getting back there. Now, you had your opportunity after uh, leaving DEA uh, to be able to uh, spend some time certainly uh, working in the community and uh, talking with people as you are, I know, making your decision that you finally, I guess, you, you got your paperwork fi- uh, filed back in the, the end of October. Uh, the official uh, announcement, uh, I guess it was uh, maybe, made, I don't know if it was prematurely or not, but I'm sure that you don't mind, Dad, uh, telling everybody that you're interested in running as sheriff. But the idea is that you had a chance to, to meet with people and to talk about the issues and get some ideas from them, didn't you? I did. And, you know, he's excited. And that's, and that's you know, it's hard to, you know I, know, I know you know him. And, you know, he's passionate about the sheriff's office. And he wants to, to leave this, um, you know, leave a little place that he's worked so hard for in, in good hands. And, you know, before I made this decision, I talked to, you know, business owners and public officials and union leaders and people in the community. And, and really, regardless of backgrounds or, you know, even their political um, beliefs, you know, everyone here wants to keep, you know, Porter County a safe place to live, do business and raise their families. And that's, you know, that's why I decided to do this. You know, I have a lot of respect for the institution for the sheriff's office, the, the men and women that work there in the community. And if I didn't think I was qualified and the best person to do this, I wouldn't do it. So, you know, to me, it's, it's really that simple. You had an opportunity to officially kick off your campaign running for county sheriff, I guess, uh, November 2nd. That was a, an event that happened at the uh, the Sunset Hill Farm County Park. Uh, what was the reaction from folks that showed up for that event? And what have you heard so far from residents in Porter County about your running for sheriff? You know, it's been very supportive. Um, you know, I, you know, it's the first time I've, I've done anything like that politically. So there's 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 a degree of you know, fear that five people will show up and you know, you're, you're, you're really scared that that's going to happen. But, mm-hmm. you know, fortunately we had, we had a great turnout. Um, we had a, we had a lot of people from all, all different wa- uh, walks of life, which was great. It wasn't just the law enforcement members or elected officials. It was friends, family, neighbors, you know, people that, you know, different political backgrounds and people are excited. And, you know, I think that, you know, more than anything, they want to make sure that we keep the sheriff's office running, you know, the way that it is. And, you know, people there thought or and think that I'm I'm the person to to make that happen. I know the, the official uh, filing for the uh, the primary election doesn't officially happen at least until January 5th. But since you made your atten- intents very well known and has been very public, uh, what's in the works between now and the time that you can actually go to the uh, Porter County Courthouse and, and officially file? Well, I'm just going to continue to talk to people in the community, which has been great. Um, you know, when I even before I decided to, to leave uh, government service, I went back to grad school, so I'm finishing up my last semester of mm-hmm. 
my graduate work, which is um, which has been great. And then, you know, I coach both my my son and daughter in in uh, different sports. So you know, it's just been it's been just wonderful to be with them and my wife, obviously. So yeah, it's um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I'm very uh, I'm, I'm lucky in, in so many different ways of life, not just you know um, work wise or now entering into into this race. And I'm not going to lose sight of that. So I'm just going to continue to talk to people, spend as much time with the family as possible, and, you know, just get this thing going. And I guess that's also means that you're going to follow through, obviously, after your official filing and, and right up until the uh, primary election day, right? That's correct. That's, uh, it's going to be a great to, to be able to get out there and meet with people in, in Porter County again, I'm sure, once and meet new people, people that you've never met before. They're going to be curious as to uh, what uh, David Reynolds' second is like. And uh, if he's and some people that know your dad will go, certainly, and then if they don't already know about you, they're going to learn as well, too. That's a great opportunity to, to, to spread yourself out even more. That's right. And, you know, the, the, the reality of it is you know, we have the same name, but really our background is, is, is different, you know. Um, you know, I worked, I worked as a federal agent and, you know, he's, he's obviously already had the job. And, you know, I think it's important, as you said, is for people to, before they come up with a determination of what they think is to look at, you know, my, my resume, my experiences and and get to know me hopefully and, and learn about, um, you know, what I can bring to the sheriff's office. David Reynolds II is the son of Porter County Sheriff David Reynolds, who is currently in office. And uh, David uh, Reynolds II has uh, announced that he is going to run for Porter County Sheriff next year. He will make his official filing here after the first of the year when it's uh, able to he's able to do so. And uh, the, the campaign is going to continue up until that time and beyond, until the uh, May uh, Democratic Party election. Thank you very much for being with us, and uh, best of luck to you. And uh, we hope to hear more from you in the months ahead, coming up to the uh, primary election. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Regionally Speaking with host Chris Nolte can be heard each Monday through Thursday at noon on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM and streaming online at lakeshorepublicradio.org, where you can also find podcasts of the show when you click on the program link. For the latest in local news and information, tune in Monday at 6 a.m. for Morning Edition with local host Chris Nolte. Lakeshore Update is supported by the listeners and members of Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. Podcasts for Lakeshore Update are posted each Friday on our website, lakeshorepublicradio.org, as well as on NPR One. Make sure you search for WLPR and select us as your home station. Music for Lakeshore Update was written and produced by bensound.com. For Lakeshore Update, I'm Dee Dotson.